How y'all doing? <clears throat> Let me do that again because that was kind of somber. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? You know, I, like I said last last service, I've seen this numerous times, but it always affects me how God can use a broken person to shed light on who He is. Before I get into this, I don't want to be remiss. I never thought that I would have a family besides my biology, I mean, my mother and them, but I'm, I never thought that I would be married, have kids because of my horrific past. And God has blessed me to, with that. And I never want to take that for granted. I never want to uh, not acknowledge the gift that God has given me. So I want to acknowledge my wife, Benita Eatman. Give God some praise for it, please. I come from a very horrific past, one that uh, I tend to identify in this passage of scripture that we're going to be talking about this morning, which comes from the book of Mark, chapter 5. Those of you who have your Bibles, you know, uh, I, uh, that's where we're going to be going. We're going to be looking at the first uh, 20 verses, and we're going to break it up into three sections, verses 1 and 6, and verses 7 to 13, and verses 9 through 20. And dealing with some specific things, a specific theme, uh, one of the things is this, is that uh, bringing a dead person to life, uh, and this is what we're going to see in this passage of Scripture. We were all born dead, spiritually. The Bible helps us to understand that. The Bible uh, acknowledges that. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, he said that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins and that uh, uh, we were uh, in accordance with, with the world and with Satan uh, and indulging in the desires of the flesh and, and those things. And by doing so, uh, we had a future of damnation or doom or eternal death. And so when we look at this aspect, we were spiritually dead. We lived in a depraved way, and our future and our destination was doom. But God. And that's the thing that we want to be able to acknowledge. Because when you read that passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the church. And it's a portrait of the church. But, but he helps us to realize where he brought us from to acknowledge that. And one of the things that we should never forget is where God brought us out of, right? I think that too many times we get caught up in, we get caught up in life and, we, and we, we get so caught up in, in, in business and, and we get caught up in family. We get so caught up in things that we lose sight of where God has blessed us to come from. And, and without us knowing it, we can easily sink right back into that lifestyle, even though you're saved. The Bible teaches that and helps us understand in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that Paul was upset with the church based on the fact that it was five years old, but yet it was still acting as though it, it, it was an infantry. It was an infant based on the fact that it was not growing up, it was not maturing, it was not developing. And Peter even says that if we don't grow in certain virtues, here's what he says, that Satan can even have us to believe that we have not even, that we're not even saved. Maturity is a key. 
It's a key of living a victorious and glorified life. And, and that is produced by God using us and having faith in him to overcome the temptations and the influence and the habitation of Satan. How many of y'all believe in demons? How many of y'all believe in the word of God? That it is the word of God. Well, if you believe that the Bible is the word of God, you ought to believe in demons. Because one of the things that Jesus speaks about are demons. What the Bible speaks about from Old Testament to New Testament is the influence of Satan and his demons. You know, one of the things that Satan is good at is not as to get you to believe that he does not exist. We live in a construct now and we're in a mindset to where people believe that evil is not a satanic thing. It's just how people are. We live in a, in a world in which Satan is the ruler of this world, given over by Adam and Eve based on the fact that they surrendered their position and gave it him the authority over this world. When, when, when he talks about in 1 John chapter 2, he said, do not be, uh, uh, do not love this world. The world he's talking about is not, it's not about the people per se, or not about the, 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 I mean, the, the earth itself, because everything he made is beautiful here. What he's talking about is a system. There is a satanic system at large and in, and, at, and, and in operation right now that influences those who don't know Jesus, those who don't have a clue, or even those who are born again, but who are immature in the body of Christ. There's a lot of hurting people out in this world. There's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people living in darkness. I want, I want you to take a look with me when this passage of Scripture so we can see... Um, the chains of slavery. He says this in verse one, and, and they came to the other side of the sea and in the country of the Gerizines. And he went and when he had come out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And when he had his dwelling among, uh, he had, had his dwelling among the tombs and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains have been torn apart by him and the shackles broken into pieces and no one was strong enough to subdue him and constantly night and day among the tombs and in the mountain he was crying out and gashing himself with stones and seeing Jesus from a distance he ran up and bowed down before him. Like I said, in our natural state, we were dead spiritually. We were born unplugged. We were born without God. We were born separated from God. What leaves us open to satanic influence and satanic inhabitation. We read in the Gospels how God, how Jesus himself, he exercised demons out of people. Demons of fallen angels, created beings that were created uh, to glorify and to honor God in heaven. There was a main one that 
we call Lucifer, we look in the book of uh, uh, Isaiah in chapter 14, and he talks about him that, that Lucifer, this, this angel, this cherubim, this, this one that was, that was on the holy mountain of God, when you go to Ezekiel 28 and helps us to identify, and, and that this was a, a being, a chief uh, uh, angel that was leading worship toward God, but then he took a look at himself. That's where the pride comes in. The Bible says that he was made with the most precious uh, metals and elements that that whatever the, uh, uh, and stones that God had produced. And he looked at himself in such a way that he thought that he should get praise with God. How many of y'all look at yourself in the morning and say, mm, look at that boy. <laughs> Somebody ought to recognize all of this. <laughs> and sometimes we we, we, we get so beside ourselves that even when we're walking down the street and we see a reflection of ourselves, we got to stop and say, hey. <laughs> it's pride. Here's the thing. You didn't make yourself. God made you. And he made you in his image, not a physical image, and characteristics and giving us attributes that can mimic him, that can expose him to a world that doesn't even know him. And all human beings are created in that image. But without God, we lead, we live lives that are leading us to destruction. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, what seems right to a man leads to death. And understand this, there's a lot of times we make decisions based on what seems right. Is that right? Because it feels good. It looks good. It tastes good. It sounds good. We, we make our choices and our decisions based on our five senses, not understanding what has influenced these senses to make us get that erotic feeling as though that it was a good choice or a good decision. And the real is this, that we don't understand our nature. Our nature, I'm going to tell you this straight out. Let me just put it to you plain. It's not a theological word. It's, it's not a biblical word. Our nature is rotten. It is. One of the things that I asked God when I got saved was this. Why did I do what I did? Let me take you a description of this man right here, and I can be able to help you to understand what God showed me about myself. Here's this man. When Jesus gets out the boat, here's this man that comes running to him, right? This man comes running, and one of the things that happens is that uh, the man came out the boat. The a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Now, understand this. Here's a man who is inhabited by, demon, by, by demons who don't know who he is, but he recognizes who Jesus is. Demons know who Jesus is. But this man was subdued by demons, which means that he was a slave to the influence because of the habitation of the demons within him. He had no control. One of the things I hate is not having control. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. But here's the thing. Satan is so good at what he does. He perceives to help us to realize and understand that, that, and that we get this thought in our mind that we are free. We are making our own choices. We're not slaves. Even the Jewish realm, uh, uh, the Israelites, 
the thought that they were free. When Jesus was talking to them in the book of John and telling them that they were slaves to sin, slaves to, to themselves, and they realized we were never enslaved. Well, they failed to realize that they even lost that perception that they were enslaved in Egypt. But yet and still, they still enslaved spiritually. And understand this, we have this Unitarian thought that's going around right now that's saying to everybody that we, everybody's going to heaven. Well, that tends to go contrary to the word of God. The perception that goes in our mind because we have this satanic influence that we subdued by demons, we suffer in darkness. When we suffer in darkness, we, we suffer with the lack of wisdom, the lack of truth, the lack of knowledge that comes from God. Darkening in our minds and darkening with our understanding because we're, we're excluded from God based on the fact that now we live in darkness. And because we're in darkness, we're influenced by darkness and our thoughts are dark. We're in darkness, man. We're, Jesus said that he is the light and he is the light of the world. The light of the world is that which gives us information or gives us wisdom or gives us truth to be able to navigate through life. Helps us to understand what life is all about. Without that connection to him who is life, there is no light within us. I lived a life with no light. Here's a man that is living a life with no light. He's miserable. Satan dwells among the dead. The Bible said he dwelled in tombs. He dwells among the dead. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's dead people all around us. There's people who are influenced by demonic spirits. We see them all the time. We see behavior, right? We look at behavior. One of the things that Jesus did, Jesus cast out people. He cast out demons. And here's the thing. One, one person, when Jesus and his disciples came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, here's the deal what happened. A man brought his son, and he called his son a lunatic because his son was throwing himself in the fire and the water. Here's the thing that we, we do a lot of times. We don't understand what our, what our kids are doing, right? And we say, that's odd. What is he doing? What is she doing? You know, you ask yourself, some of y'all in college, right? You look at some of your friends and say, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not normal. But also, we look outside our family realm and even outside our school realm, but then we look in society and we see homeless people. What is wrong with him? What is wrong with her? Why do they do that to themselves? And understand this. This is very important for us to understand because we make judgments on people. We condemn people based on what they do, not understanding what is causing that behavior because we don't have that, that type of perception and not that type of love. See, our love is not that deep because our love is conditional. And we don't have apathy or that compassion as we should for people who don't live as we do or don't act as we do or don't talk as we do or don't look as we do. Because we have that pride. We have that selfishness within us. And it's ugly, man. And it should not be in the church, but it's there. 
And so one of the things that we need to realize and understand is that when we see people who are acting as this man is doing in verse 5, he's even cutting on himself. How many of y'all ever been in pain? Emotional pain. Mental stress and anxiety. How many of y'all ever had a broken heart? Go on, raise your hand. Because I want us to understand, you can't go to the doctor for that. You feel me? He ain't going to give you no pill. Broken heart, broken heart. There it is right there. I'm going to give you 500 milligrams of this. You ought to be good tomorrow. No, it's not going to happen. What do we do when we get pain? Here's an awesome society because we live in a country that is, that is more medicated than any other country in the world. Whenever we feel a little twinge of pain, like we get a headache, first one thing we want to do is reach for what? What is your favorite? Tylenol, Advil, what? We reach it for something, right? Because we believe that this is going to solve the problem. And there is the misnomer right there. It doesn't solve the problem. What it does is take, give you a temporary relief of a symptom, not the problem. But we, we as human beings think that we're dealing with the cause when we're only dealing with the symptoms because we don't have the capacity to know what the cause is. And without Christ, we don't solve the problem. That's why uh, pharmaceutical companies are, are getting richer and richer every day. And I'm going to tell you something. People who are in this state make a lot of money off of people. Uh, they make a lot of money. Uh, 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 people make a lot of money off of them based on the fact that they're in that state because they always got to be dependent upon them. Psychiatrists don't have the time to sit down and talk to you. They write a script. They get 15 minutes or so. They write a script. People are getting so used and getting so addicted to this. And so the aspect of this, we look in the book of Revelation, and he's talking about in the last times, these people are going to be uninfluenced. They talk about the word sorcery. The word sorcery, we get our word pharmaceutical from, uh, pharmacy from, because understand this, people are going to be under the influence of drugs. We're heading to that world. We see that, that these things that were condemned back in the day are now becoming legal. And we wonder why we're having more crashes, more killings, and more people dying off of drugs. Because we said, yeah, let them do it. And don't get me wrong. I'm going to put it in the proper perspective. Everything that God created is good for us if it's used properly. I, I don't have no problem with marijuana being legalized as long as it's used as a medication. I don't think you should be riding down the street smoking. Nothing wrong with alcohol, to tell you the truth. Because Paul told Timothy what? Take a little alcohol. Drink a little wine for your stomach, Right? That was a medication, right? There's nothing wrong with drinking because it's, it is an antidepressant because it relaxes you. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we, we are here, we are because we deal with our flesh and our flesh is greedy. I want more than what is prescribed. Then we become addicted, and then that's when that satanic influence that gets us into a situation. And understand that we become self-destructive. And understand this: when he was cutting on himself, understand this: the reason why he's cutting because he's in pain. And because he's in pain, he's cutting on himself so he can relieve that pain. People create pain for themselves to relieve pain. People don't understand this concept. But that's what I did. I created pain for myself to relieve the pain of being, of being 
uh, uh, one that feels rejected from society, the one that looks as though himself, as though he's no good, that he has no value, that he has no purpose in life, that he is this reject, that God can't even fix him. What's wrong with me? So I had this pain, and I look at myself, and I see the things going, I can't see the truth about me, so I try to become up with all these multiple personalities so I can please people. I was in pain and agony, and I found myself all night long, all by myself, waking up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm out here by myself. Who cares about me? It seemed like God doesn't care. It's painful, man, to live in existence to where you feel as though you're by yourself and nobody cares. This man that's in this tomb, he's been cast out of society, cast out of his home, cast out of civilization, and now he's living in the tombs as though nobody cares. What do you think he wants to do? what I wanted to do. But God. When I go to verse 17 and 13, let's just go there right quickly. And crying out with a loud voice, and he said, what do I have to do with you? Jesus, son of the most high God, I implore you by God, do not torment me, for he has been saying to to him, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. And he was asked him, what is your name? And he said to him, my name is Legion, for we are what? Many. And he began to entreat him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there was a big herd of swine feeding there on the mountain. And the demons entreated him and said, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And he gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Because their chains of slavery, because we were bound by our own sin, God loved us enough to send a charge of a savior. God was not going to leave us in that state. Good God Almighty, don't you just thank God for that? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't hear nobody say nothing. <laughs> Man, do you realize where you were? And I'm going to tell you something right quick. I know I'm looking at my time, but I'm, I, I want to make this point right quick. Listen to this real good. Me and Steve was talking about this. Yeah, I came from a horrific background, and people think I should shout because I came out of that background. There's people in here who probably got saved at six, seven, and eight years old. Do you know you was coming out of a horrific background? No, I wasn't on drugs. Man, but you was in a dark spot, untouched by God. You were going to be led down a pathway that can lead to doom and destruction. You were on your way, but God seemed fit. Somebody walk with me. This was a supernatural act that caused a seven and eight-year-old to acknowledge God as his Lord and Savior. That just don't happen on their own. We all have a dark path. We all have this, this, this thing that which was in us that was leading us astray. And God seen fit. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what your situation was. God looks at us equally. He values us equally. How come we can't acknowledge him as he wants to be acknowledged? So quit putting down what God has done for you. It was a supernatural act. You couldn't do it and neither could I. Here come this Savior, this Savior who promised his disciples we're going over to the other side. And he kept his word because they made it to the other side. In spite of the situation and circumstances that was along the path, God is calling us to go to the other side. 
Why are we going to the other side? Because we need to meet these people who are demon-possessed, who are influenced by Satan, who are lost, who are rejected by society. God wants us to go to them, love them, show them compassion, show them mercy, and give them grace to come alongside them so they can be able to be wined in and rung in into the family. That ain't going to happen when we sit up here and sing kumbaya. It ain't going to happen. Too many times in churches, people believe that it is the hired staff. I always tell my congregation back in the day, I said, y'all didn't hire me. God called me. I am your servant. And I serve you because I serve him. What's my motivation to serve you? Because I love him with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the Bible says, well, if I do that, then I need, to, I need to love you. Why should I love you? Because I love him, because he created you. If I love God, as I say I love God, then I love what God does. Look at that. Look at this beautiful group of people. Not just in this room, but outside of the room. And all people are valuable. We all created in that image. Understand this. Satan knows who God is. And any time that Satan, that God is present, guess what Satan has to do? Bow down. I shared this last time. I'm going to share this now. When I go into the, to the locker room, I go to the gym because I got to take care of myself because I'm old, man. <laughs> I got to take care of my body, man, because I want to be able to play with my grandkids and my great-grandkids. I don't need nobody walking me up the stairs. Okay. No. So when I go to the gym and I go into the locker room, and here's what's happening when I come into the locker room. Oh, here come the preacher. I say, y'all know God was already here before I got here, right? <laughs> y'all, y'all do know that, right? <laughs> they act like that. I'm bringing him in. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. They in here talking. But yet and still, Jesus lives in me. And when I come in, he's with me. And so when I come in, Satan's in that room. Guess what? They got to stop. That's what's saying it. They want to say it. Here's what Satan is saying. He said, oh, here comes the prison. No, he's acknowledging that God is here. He's acknowledging that the presence of Jesus is here because Jesus resides within me. And so now he has to bow down to the one that he deplores, but he can't do nothing but do that. Y'all catch that? So when you go into a room or when you come into a situation and people stop doing what they do, that's demons, doc. They hate you. Because God resides within you. And they can't do anything but to bow down. In the book of Acts in chapter 19, is this acknowledgement that these, these, these Jewish exorcists were seeing Paul, how God was using Paul, and he was healing people. And they thought that they could do the same thing. And so these demons looked at them and said, we know Jesus. We heard of Paul. But who are you? And the demons wore them Demons know who Jesus is, but also demons know who belong to Jesus. We thank God for him coming in. We thank God for his, his authority because one of the things of this is that his position, they know his position. Jesus understands what is going on with us better than anybody else. I'm sorry, he does know more than anybody else. He, he can look into the recesses of our hearts and see what's there. 
He even knew that Paul could be faithful to him. The one that was persecuting the church, he looked deep into his heart and saw that he could be faithful. He looked into your heart. He looked into my heart and showed me I could be faithful when I thought I was nothing. Then comes the conversion. Let me just read this right quick in verse 14 and 20. And there a herdsman ran away and reported it in the city and out of the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and, the, and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed in his right mind. And the very man who had the legion, they became frightened. And those who had seen him described him as how it happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to entreat him and depart from the region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been Demon-possessed was entreating him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, but he, he said to him, go home to your people. Report to them what, you, what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the copolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Understand this. When we're in chains of slavery, God has, Jesus has a charge to save us, to break us free. How we know that that's done? Because there is going to be a conversion of salvation. Here's the thing what happened. We see in verse 15, they came back. Here's this man who was demon-possessed. He was calm. Why was he calm? He had peace. Jesus came to bring peace. Peace between God and man and man and man. God removed that that caused division. What was that that caused division? It was sin. And he died for that sin. The second thing is this, the man was just not calm, but he was also clothed. Guess what? Because this man was naked. Let me share with you what Satan would do. He would strip you of all dignity. One of the things that happened to me when I was home, I was homeless for eight years, and, and I, I began to, I, I wanted to get something to eat, and so I had to panhandle. Anybody know anything about panhandling? Let me tell you something. To panhandle, you had to be stripped of all dignity. I'm going to tell you, that's one of the hardest things that you have to do. I don't care how you look at them, how you see them. You, you may think that's easy. It's not easy. The hardest thing I had to do was to ask somebody for a quarter so I can get me something to eat. It was painful. It was degrading. It was hurtful. And I couldn't do it. Because it made me feel as though I was nothing. For a person to go beyond that and to be able to do that, he, he must look or she must look at herself as, as though she is nothing. People don't understand that pain. That's painful, man, to be stripped of all dignity. Here's this man. He's out there. He's just naked and he's hurting. He's in pain. He's wanting out. He wanting out. He, he's hurting himself. He doesn't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to live like this. There's a lot of people out there who don't want to live like that anymore. And they're waiting on Jesus. He's calm. He's cold. He's converted. How is he converted? How do we know that he's converted? Because here's the thing. He has a commission now. Because he has a desire for God. Jesus was getting in the boat. He said, no, 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 I want to go with you. 
want to go with you, my Savior. I want to go with you, the one who loved me, the one who cared for me. When everybody else just cast me aside, when nobody else valued me, my own family didn't want me anymore. But you came along in my dying, in my darkest hour, and you put your arms around me and you loved me. I want to go with you. But Jesus said, no. Go back to your family. Show them what I've done. He gave him a directive. Go do. Show them. God did not save us for us. He saved us. So he can, display, he, he can display his power, his mercy, and his grace in us. Go to your family. The first people that you should be discipling is your family. Then he gave him commission. He gave him a declaration. Now go out and share with people who I am. That word Decapolis talks about 10 cities. So he went beyond the scope of his family. The Bible says in the Great Commission, it said, as we go, we have a commission to share the gospel. Man, what a privilege. What an honor to be able to represent such a God, to be able to be an ambassador of heaven, to be able to be able to recognize and know that I have an advocate who says my name before the throne of God because he said, if you deny me down here, I will deny your name up in heaven. But if you don't deny me, I will share your name before God and I want my name rolling off his tongue. I want him to acknowledge to the Father that yes, he has stumbled, yes, he has failed, but I died for all of that. He could be with us. Have you ever been in darkness? Have you ever been in pain? Have you ever been tormented? Have you ever been lost and rejected by society where nobody wants anything to do with you? Then you know what this man felt. You know what I felt. You know what the people that we deal with feel every day. People who are around you every day. Jesus is more than a savior to me. He's my Lord. He's my God. He's my friend. He's my big brother. He's my counselor. He's the love of my life. And I hope he's yours. Father, thank you for you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for letting your love just pour out upon a sinful people that in spite of us, you demonstrated your love by giving us your son. We don't deserve it. But you are faithful even when we're not. 
May we surrender to you. May we, may we give you our lives as a living and holy sacrifice that you can use as you see fit to glorify you by leading people to your son. Bless everyone here, every family that's represented, that your spirit may dwell with them. And may you continue to be with this church. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's children will say,